Hello and welcome to another episode of Adulting Unplugged. Today's episode is a must-hear for parents with teenagers or really just kids in general because we're diving into the world of relationships, dating, and consent. I've got an incredible guest today, Miss Monica Linson, a guru in healthy relationships and a coach who's all about recovering from the tricky ones. <laughs> we're breaking down love, boundaries, and respect perfect for parents steering their teens through the dating scene. Monica's bringing the wisdom and we're going to keep it real. So stick around for tips, tricks, probably some laughs, I'm sure. And we're going to dive into all the juicy stuff because this is Adulting Unplugged. No filters, just real talk. Welcome to Adulting Unplugged, the podcast that's all about the real life skills and knowledge you need to navigate the world of adulthood successfully. I'm your host, Tracy Baconhaster, and I'm here to guide you through the ups and downs of parenting a self-sufficient, confident, and empowered adult. We believe that adulting doesn't come with a manual, but it does come with a community. That's why we're here to provide you with expert insights, practical advice, and inspiring stories to help you thrive. Whether you're a parent guiding the next generation, a recent graduate, a young professional, or anyone navigating the complexities of adulthood, this podcast is for you. So grab your favorite drink, get comfy, and let's dive into the world of Adulting Unplugged. So welcome, Monica. Could you tell our listeners a little more about you? Well, thank you for that fabulous intro, and I really appreciate this opportunity to to chat with you because I do know some things. So that's... As you were saying, Tracy, I am a recovery coach for narcissistic abuse. Those are the tricky ones. And more specifically, I I have more experience than I would care to with the covert narcissist. And the covert narcissist is diabolical. <laughs> so it's just like it sounds, it pierced, you know, let me back it up. The covert narcissist is Mr. Nice Guy, but not really. So... I was raised by a covert narcissist, and then I was married to one. Since I was primed for the toxicity for 30 years. Oof. So, Oof. I know some things, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, see, she knows all about how to, how to what, the ones to run from, right? Like, go screaming, yes. running. The ones to run to, what to look for, all that. But you also know youth really well, too, because you actually are a middle school teacher, or junior high, or whatever yes. you want to consider it, right? Eighth grade makes sense to me because I know that that's just um, where they are. So, yep. yep. I think, and I, that's why I wanted to have you today because not only do you bring that healthy relationship experience of like what makes a healthy relationship, what doesn't make a healthy relationship, but then you also really know teens and especially when they're starting to go through that stage of puberty and dating and all these real life changes when you do start to see kids getting, you know, sexually active or messing around or starting to really have serious relationships. And I know for parents, a lot of parents, that is terrifying to even think about, right? It's like, oh gosh, my kid dating. Oh no, what do I do? <laughs> so to just kick it off, we'll start, we'll start in, you know, very low key of like, let's just talk about, you know, how to have open and respectful discussions with teenagers from a parent perspective so how can parents start to have those conversations about dating because i know a lot of teenagers don't always want to open up to mom and dad about those things so what would you kind of i guess tell parents in that space like how to start those conversations well of course it's going to be easier if the conversations start early early so that would be my first tip is that even far as back as you know because i've taught third grade also and there's some toxic relationships even that early where I will pull the little person aside and say, you know, you don't have to play with so-and-so at lunch. There are other options. And it's just that little control thing. So if you start teaching, you know, where people say, I'm not going to let you play with this, or if you do this, I'll let you do just those little innocent third grade things that you could see. And the kids are crying. The kids are upset because someone is not speaking to them today when they were besties yesterday. So starting very early, if at all possible, just say and help them to define friendship. What makes a good friend? And not only are you helping them to choose better, but then they're also being a better friend. Yeah. But if if you could just start then, I mean, teachers do it. We we do it, but we're not the only ones. We can't do it all. 
So we do talk about, you know, as far as the teachers that I know with little people, what makes a good friend? And so talking early about that, but if you wait, it just has to be one of those situations where it's got to make your stomach hurt. You're going to feel silly. <laughs> you're gonna like, oh my God, you're rolling your eyes. The kids are rolling their eyes, but you got to have the talk. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the talk. So yep. it's those kind of terms, but it's so, so important. And you have to define, I would say, even from an adult perspective, helping women who are undoing the narcissistic abuse, so often we know what we don't want once we're in the muckety-muck, but it would be better if we know what we want before we get into the muckety-muck. And we just think, ah, this is awful. But we can't put our finger on what is awful. But if we already had our, this is what I want, this is what's important to me, then that muckety-muck, we won't stay long. Now, I love that idea because, I mean, we do that and we teach our kids with like goals, like, okay, what do you want in life? What do you want in a career? What do you want in those things? But we don't talk about it in relationships. And it's not just, you know, significant other relationships. It is also friendships. Like you said, like, what, yes, like, what do I want in a friendship? I want my friend to be there for me. I don't want to be the one that's always in. I don't want them talking about me behind my back. I want them to be there and to listen and to be empathetic and you know, when I'm, I did get broke up with my boyfriend and they're there with the ice cream. Like, you know, I, what do you want in those relationships? I love that idea of like helping sitting out with your kid and saying, Hey, let's talk about what is your want list out of friendships in a dating relationship and a marriage someday, you know, especially even older teens, like that are in a more serious relationship. Like, what do you want when you think of a marriage? Like what is, and does this person check those boxes? Cause if not, may not be the right one. <laughs> I love that. That's yes. And I love that you talk about starting young, especially with friendships. We might not be talking to our third graders about, you know, boyfriends or girlfriends and stuff yet, but we are that friendship piece because kids are mean. They are so mean. (laughs) I don't like that. They don't are. And they comment on each other's body, body image. Like, no, not in third grade. But the biggest one is, oh, you didn't share that with me for your lodge. I told you to bring me one. Why didn't you? Those kind of things. And then yep. they're actually, they're not speaking to one another. Yes, they're petty yeah. and it cracks the other me up. person's wrong. Yes. I get much teaching done. Yes, yes. And honestly, and it's especially for those that have little girls, because I'll be honest, the boys, they might fight, but then they're like cool with each other. But girls, nice. they are not. And they will in elementary school be like, I'm not friends with you no more. And they'll try to make that little girl feel like crap. And they'll and shove out the friend group. Together. Yes, they'll get everybody else but in. And then that girl feels like crap and it just carries on from there. It doesn't get any better throughout older years of school. So, uh, yes, I love that. And especially focusing on, you know, teaching that. And I think, and I, I'm sure you would agree with this, also teaching how to handle when that does happen. Because it's going to happen. You're going to have a friendship that falls apart or a boyfriend or girlfriend that breaks up with you and breaks your heart. Like, how do you be there for those, your kid and, and put them, you know, build them back up without, you don't want to baby them, but you also don't want to be like, well, suck it up, buttercup, you'd be fine. Like, how do you handle that situation with, with kids, especially when the hormones are all over the place? Yeah. Again, that's a preemptive strike. Well, the first thing I would do, um, you know, to parent that you're with your audience is to have that kid yours grounded. So you even from the beginning, early on, but even before they start as a teen, as before they start dating, reminding them of who they are and what they have to offer. Because too often, it's just the way society is also. We'll get to that. But, uh, but we keep looking for love outside of ourselves. And if we find it and we get grounded and we give ourselves all the things that we think we're needing outside of ourselves, then that whole breakup, um, may be, well, it will feel yucky for a while, but it will not feel yucky forever and it won't wound us as deeply. It's like, oh, okay, that was a nice experience, but this is actually who I am. So that's better that we break up. So the first thing I would say is to have self awareness to get young folks into or knowing who they are. What do they have to offer? Why are they someone deserving of respect? Why are they respecting themselves? You know, if they're, if we are, um, as humans, if we are not respecting ourselves, then other people will pick up on that. 
if we're crossing our own boundaries, then we don't say anything the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time someone else crosses our boundary. Then it gets to be a pattern. You know, we teach people how to treat us. But to start off with, you know, just imagine if a kid broke up, if your kid broke up with their person that they were mad in love with. You say, well, this, you remember who you are. You, this hurts you. Let's get some vintage. Sorry, whatever the kid is, whatever you think is. Watching movies, I'm a big crier. I, I used to not. I was whole, totally into that toxic big girls don't cry thing. But now crying, I schedule my crimes like, I just need a release. So cry, whatever, go shopping, whatever it is that's getting you through that situation and be there with your kids. But then remind them, say, okay, two days now, let's remember who you are. Tell me something good about yourself. And what do you have to offer? You know, and help them through that cooling off period because you also don't want them jumping right back into something else. They get to learn from their experiences. But to be able to say, remember who you are. I love that. And I think that is that is so powerful because most teenagers, boys and girls, both don't. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they bring to the table. They put that their their you know identity in somebody else. And so then when that uh, somebody else hurts them, they think they're worthless or it's their fault or all these things. And then we just carry that over into adulthood. I mean, I'm sitting here listening, man, I wish I would have had all this when I was a teenager because I was that girl where I didn't believe in myself. I didn't have any confidence. I was very insecure. And I put all of my value and worth in boys. And I dated and I jumped right into the next relationship when the other one broke up with me because I didn't want to deal with the emotions. I'm like, oh, found another one and just kept going through that. And but I, like you said, I was putting off this nasty thing. So I was not attracting good guys. It was right. not a healthy relationship. And then they would dump me every single time. I don't I didn't break up with anybody. I think I broke up with two people my entire life. And yeah. it's just one of those things that because I didn't know who I was. Yeah, so you tolerate things. Yes, yes. That's I love that. That's amazing. I think that is so powerful for parents to hear. Even if yes, you already have a teenager, maybe they're already struggling with this stuff and they're in counseling and other things. But you, it's never too late. You know, you can start to build them up. Um, and I mean, I'm sure you have other suggestions of ways to do that too. But I mean, I know for me, it'd be okay. Let's start small. And just maybe leaving, especially if it's a teenager that doesn't like to talk or open up to you yet, it's like, just leave them little notes. You're beautiful. You're amazing. Like, it just starts and leave it, put it on their bathroom mirror when they see it first thing in the morning. And they might be, oh, whatever, mom, and be like, cheesy. They're going to see it, though. It's going yes. to hit. Yeah, exactly. And just starting those little habits. I'm sure you have probably other, oper- other great things that parents can do, too. But to start, to, especially for when their kids are older, and they're like, crap, I missed the boat on starting this young, but what can I do now? And to add to what you're saying, I totally love that idea because uh, you can say and uh, point out their behaviors and their strengths. I'm so grateful that you did that. That was so amazing when I'm so proud of you for, and you're, you're right. The eye rolling, the, okay, well, whatever, you know, <laughs> tell them anyway, except, you know, they're teenagers, they hormones. Yep. So, yes, and just keep reminding them of who they are. When I taught eighth grade, there were some girls, uh, you know, when I started seeing the things. Like, so what do you like about so-and-so? And, you know, some of them, I'm just laughing specifics. No names, no gossip. Okay. So um, they would say, oh, well, he's hard or he's smart. He's smart. It's like, you know. <laughs> Like you define know? smart for me, please. What 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 does plus word mean for you? Uh, he's so nice. Uh, give me an example and just stick and move, stick and move. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when yeah. I think you bring a good point with that too, I think when it comes to all this stuff that we're talking about today with relationships and things, is instead of directing, because I see this a lot in Facebook groups, especially parent groups that have older kids. And I just sit there and I'm like, oh, that's not how you approach your kid. They're, they just go in like more attack mode or you, you, he's not smart. He's stupid. And, and instead ask questions like you're talking about. You ask specific questions that you already know the answer, but he gets them thinking. Exactly. Puts them on the spot to have to answer you, but it's not you condescending. It's not you telling them, oh, that's you deserve better. That person's not whatever. It's just like, so what do you like about him? Well, why do you think he's smart? Well, why do you think I love that? Like it's to ask those questions and start to dive into that with your kid 
because they're going to get frustrated if they can't start answering it. And they might get mad at you for asking the question, but they can't get mad at you for saying anything mean about the person they they love. Right. right. And, and this plants a little brain cootie. Mm-hmm. I love playing brain cooties and, mm-hmm. you know, inside the multiplication tables with my third graders, just something like, mm, that's going to percolate, mm-hmm. you know? And, mm-hmm. Yeah. One, and I call it stick and move because you don't, you don't want to tag me. The fastest way to get your daughters one to run off and get married is to say, I'm in time to kiss him anymore. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. And so we see that all the time. And actually, we know that to be a fact. Because, I that kid too. First oh, yeah. it was. <laughs> Oh, you want you guys, you're wrong. I'm going to marry him anyways. Yep. Exactly. So he would just ask and say, oh, um, oh, oh, okay. Something else before it popped in my head again. So I want to say it before it leaves again. One of the things is to point out to your kid when they come home, if they're in a relationship already, they come home and say, oh, you're so, you're so happy. And it's like, what happened? And remind them of that. It's like, oh, so that's a good thing. And that way you get more information. And you're saying, oh, I love how you said he did this and that. And point out respect. Don't say much about the disrespect until they come home sad and say, I noticed that the last two dates you've been on, you just came home not yourself. Is there anything you want to talk about? Stick and move. I mean, don't say like, is there anything you want to talk about? <laughs> Well, you're blocking the door. But why right. you clean up as if, and then like, well, I'm here when you're ready. Does that yep. make sense? Yeah, I know? like that. Like, it's a passive piece. You're not being direct in their face about it. Like, so what's going on? You're just like, hey, you're cleaning the counters. They're walking in. Oh, happy. So I just noticed this. Are you okay? You're good. All right. Like, and it's just, well, I think that's hard for parents because we want, especially because we don't want our kids upset or hurt. And so we start to dig. And poke and prod and like, so what's going on? Tell me more about this. Tell me more about this. And that's going to just shut them down faster. But it's right. Like, but at a certain time, you might have to pull the whole parent card and say, okay, no, we need to talk, sweetie. Um, sit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I cannot watch you come into this house over and over again after being out with X, Y, and Z, you know, doing this and that. I care about you. And I'm afraid that, that you're not getting the respect or love that you deserve. And. So, but the first time, no, yeah, because that's just how they're wired right now, you know. Well, especially, and I I know, and I don't want to, for those that are listening, I don't want you to think I'm just talking teen girls with this because there are boys that do experience as well, but it is just statistically prominent with ladies where they do take a lot more in a relationship. A lot of teen boys, you'd start to, not always again, but a lot of them, you start pulling stuff as a girl, they're like, eh, bye-bye. Where a girl, she'll take and take and take the and tear her down and take it a lot more personal than males do. And I think that that's, I like that piece of you don't address it the first time, let it kind of, but you can, you can just casually, but then get a little bit more, but eventually sometimes you do have to say something. So how would you approach that as a parent? Like you, you see your teenager coming in for the, you know, hundred time they're in tears or they're frustrated or they start venting about whatever their toxic friend or significant other did how do you go about kind of coaching or helping your teen work through that? I mean, yes, seeing their value, but sometimes it's like, how do I get them to get see that they need to get out of this relationship? Yeah. So one of the most important things that I've experienced um, myself and for clients that I work with is that the parent first, if necessary, has to own any kind of relationship mistake they've made. Mm. Or what they put up with and they wish they hadn't. Because too many times I've, I've spoken with people who tried to do this with their, with their, uh, kids or they saw a, for myself as an example, I saw toxic relationships. I saw the toxic marriage and I thought that was normal. So if there's some kind of situation that needs to be cleared up, it's like you've seen my and your father or my boyfriend do XYZ. I'm here to say, that's not okay. I made that mistake and I'm afraid you're headed down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Because if you just start correcting without acknowledging, then the the young person is thinking, who are you? Well, you've got your nerves. I was like, or they might not even hear you because your behavior has spoke so so loud. Does that make sense? You yeah. know, you've heard the expression kids don't do when they like they, they uh do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
But so that, if that needs to be cleaned up, then that's the first thing. Because yes. otherwise, they're just going to shut them down. They're going to be arrogant or very confused. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. So after that, you just say, okay, we have to talk because this is not going well. I call it pulling the mommy card, you know, and I know there are nannies out there too, but, you know, it's like, nope, I've got to do my job as a mom and mm-hmm. this has to stop. And and then you just remind them of what you want for them. And yep. then they don't, you know, and ask them, what do you see yourself in? What's your ideal date? How do you want to be treated? And help them come up with that, especially if they haven't already, have them start percolating that. You know, so even if they are still in the toxic relationship or the relationship of concern, once you plant that seed, it's like, how do you want to be treated? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. just start from there. It's like, okay. And sometimes you have to make a deal with them to say, okay, so from this thing forward, I would like for you to not see him for the next four days. Or how about this? And you and I can do X, Y, and Z together. I like that. I'm not just saying, no, you're not seeing him anymore. It's like, no, how about let's take a break. And then me yeah. and you can hang out. Me and you can spend some time together and let us do some stuff together and let you just kind of get some space there to process everything. Right. I think approaching it in that loving way and not, and I think sometimes as parents, because we are parents and we are authoritative, and sometimes there is a place for giving like direct directions, like, no, you're not doing that. But in situations like this, especially with teenagers, I think a softer approach is much more <laughs> successful and goes a lot farther than being direct like that. Cause I experienced that. I remember I had a situation as a teenager where a boyfriend at the time sent me a not so nice photo on my phone that, and I was showering. My dad saw it. I didn't ask for it. Didn't want it. Don't even ever, never wanted this picture. I always told boys, I'm like, stop sending that stuff. No girls want to see that. Like, stop it. And my dad went off on me and and, and blamed me. And like, that was my fault. That Well, you must have done something that he thought it was okay. I'm like, ah, read our text message. There was nothing in the conversation. He just thought that was a good idea to send. That was not my fault. And I got in so much trouble and he went off on me and took my phone. And I'm like, you yeah. could have sat down and heard my side of the story. You could have talked to me. I would have showed you our text messages. Like, but he just approached it way too extreme. And then it just shut me down instead yeah. of coming to me and saying, so I accidentally saw this text pop up on your phone. We need to talk about this because uh, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, I totally, I totally understand that too from your dad's point of view. I am a mom who is guilty of I don't even know how to explain it, but when, some, when something was happening with my boys, just normal stuff, I would jump to the future. They got an effort. They didn't follow through on this. Oh my God, they're, they're going to be horrible human beings. They're going to end up homeless. They're going to be in a jail. I can never die. When it needs to uh-huh. And then we put all that on our kid. Then we just go. And I was like, no, they handled this one little thing first. But I was totally that mom that would just jump through. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'd be homeless and I could never die because I, who's going to take care of them? But mm-hmm. there's a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in between. Of course, we don't do that consciously, but right. whereas that's our reaction, just whoa. Oh, yep. and it's just a small piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know what's possible for our kids. We love our kids. We want the best for our kids. So that's what we do. We just go to that extreme of like, oh my gosh. I just had that happen with my son this week where he had he's a great student and had one in- incident in class with his teacher. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's a terrible student. He's going to be in trouble. And, all. and like, no, no, calm down. Like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be totally fine. I don't know why we do that. Yeah. So I, I'm curious your perspective on this because I'm talking through all this toxic stuff because that really is what happens. And let's say, OK, your, your kid's in this situation where they are in a relationship that you know they shouldn't be in, that they deserve better. You start to help them see, okay, what do you want in a relationship and all these things? But then they go to the, but I can fix them and I can make them into that that I want because I love them and eventually they'll change. How do you approach that? Because again, that was me. I know that's a lot of teenage girls, a lot of girls in general, we want to fix and improve and help the troubled boy and we all like the bad boys and we'll fix them and make them better. No, so how do you handle that as a parent with your kid? I would definitely honor that, honor that, you know, what they're saying and hear what they're saying and and understand why they think that. Also let them know that that's not their responsibility. Hmm. 
And if, if it were true, you know, uh, I mean, follow it through with them because it, you just have to, because uh, you don't want it to be, I told you not to, that this wasn't going to work. And those, so I'll say, I understand that. So how will you know if what you're planning is actually working? What would you expect them to do? How yes, can and we by when? That? Yeah, instead of by when. Uh-huh. So then, and then get them committed to a check-in with you. It's like, no. so, okay, so you're going to try this. I totally get it. I, I'm not sure it's going to work. And because my heart is just in pain for you, you know, don't say, oh my God, this is never going to work. We don't want to get there. Oh, no, that's what we're feeling in our, in our stomach. And just say, okay, so why'd you try that? And then can we check in on Friday here? Put it in your phone and I'm going to plan my phone. And, and then, so if, if he does it, then what's our next move? Yeah. We just follow that through with them. And most likely they will say, yeah, he's not changing or she's not changing. Uh-huh. I didn't, I totally want to honor the fact that you said that we both know that it's just um, also something for males. My son has been with two narcissistic women and I've had to help him navigate that. Mm-hmm. So I do want to honor that. But as you said, it's mostly with females and this area that, yeah. Especially in the fixing. (laughs) No, that's, I love that. I like the check-in and what you're doing is teaching it, teaching them to handle in a logical way and taking the emotion out of it really by saying, okay, well, what, let's put in goals. Like what are those milestones they're going to hit to show that this is working and changing? You have a plan in place. And if they're not hitting it, what's happening? So I like that where it's kind of taking the emotion out because we're all emotional beings and a lot of us do everything with our heart before our head and especially teenagers. So I like that approach of that. You're making it more of a, Hey, let's talk through this logical. We're not talking emotions. We're not going off of emotions. We're going off of what do we want and are they doing that or not? Right. Right. What do you want? And, and help your adult to practice saying the boundaries because, Oh my gosh. It is actually so hard unless we visualize it and actually speak it out loud. Mm-hmm. I have my adult clients speak it into the mirror. Say your boundary, state yes. your boundary and the consequence. So mm-hmm. do that. Have them write it down. Have them practice it. You know, especially yep. if it's something physical. Physical abuse is not the only form of abuse. That's mm-hmm. what I grew up with. As most of my marriage had the person hit me. I would have been God because I recognize that as abuse. So all the covert stuff, like the belittling, the putting them down, uh, invalidating them or standing them up, you know, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of um, non-physical ways that are toxic. So find out exactly what that is. So it's like the next time he throws you under the bus or embarrasses you in front of your friends, what are you going to say? And what's going to be the consequence? And yep. having them verbatim, I mean, exactly what you want them to say and to practice it. We do not teach kids, even in school, how to set boundaries unless it's, you know, a teacher doing an extra thing. It's yeah. changing a little bit with social emotional learning, but not to where it needs to be. Yeah. So, so I want to, let's dive more into the boundaries because I think a lot of this stuff can be prevented. Obviously, mm-hmm. if the teaching your kiddo their value, helping them understand their value, what they're worth, what they want, all those things. But I think then the second layer is the boundaries because then they know this is my boundary. You crossed it. And like you said, they're practicing it on putting a healthy boundary in place. So how would you tell parents, like, how do you teach a healthy boundary? I mean, what are healthy boundaries? Because some parents listening might not know those themselves because maybe they're in a not so great relationship or they've just put up with it because they don't want to have a, go through a divorce or have their kids be you know in that situation where so they're just putting up with those things and they don't know how to put in healthy boundaries. Let me back up and say um, one of the things that we get to do is that we realize that so many of ours, not to beat ourselves up because it is totally not all of our fault. And we'll, my boundaries were so unhealthy based on just societal norms and some religious things that I that I was indoctrinated with that twisted twisted scriptures, what I call it now. Mm-hmm. But so the parents do have to really get grounded in what they say are or what they see as healthy boundaries. Because 
Otherwise, you will miss so much of what you were trying to teach your your young adult. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the things that that happens, even with narcissistic abuse, one of the big things, and that I see in teenage, you know, eighth grade as an eighth grade uh, teacher, is isolation. And most people don't think of that as abuse, but it is a very sick trait where suddenly the <laughs> the young man is so in love with this girl that he wants all of her time. He doesn't want her spending time here and here and here. So isolation is like one of the first things. And the girl, because, you know, movies, I was going to say movies, it's this one of the things that we see, you know, it's like, oh, take him off your time. And it feels so yummy at first. And then next thing you know, your friends aren't inviting you out anymore. It was like, well, because you're always with family, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's a natural occurrence. But next thing you know, you have no support system. You've lost contact with your girlfriends and their little myth because you've been blowing them off to be with him. And in the meantime, he's saying, yeah, come on, stay with me. Oh, please. And it seems so perfect. And it's not. And then when the girl is now feeling isolated, a bit depressed, um, alone, then something else comes in. An insult or even physical abuse, having sex without consent, but now there's no one to go to. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So isolation is one of the first ones. So if that's happening, you have to call a thing a thing. So let me list some of the other ones like, Oh, the, the isolation comes with that intensity. First, the relationship is so big. It's just, you know, with narcissistic abuse, we call it love bombing. And it's just so intense because you are so in love and it's the whole, oh my God, oh my God. And you know, everybody's on their best behavior usually. And then that's how the isolation gets in there because mm-hmm. you are one to be with that person too. Yep. So, so as a person dating, you have to also... Make yourself have some kind of balance, basically. Yep. Yeah, it's like, no, we've already been out three times this week. (laughs) So I'm just going to spend some time alone or with a girlfriend. Even if you have to lie, just put that in as your, you know, as a safeguard for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you are so, hormones are raging and love feels good. Yeah. You're badly love and even without the words been spoken. It's just something that takes over. Mm-hmm. Well, especially with something you're not used to. Like if you've yes. not had that before and all of a sudden you have this, you're like, this is amazing. I got to spend 24-7 with this person. Yeah. And in the background, we're already conditioned to think that this is normal based on our movies and the songs we hear. Yep. When yep. I started going through, narcissism, <laughs> through my own recovery, there was this song that kept coming up in my head and it's, by Gladys Knight and the Pips. It's an old song, you know, way back. <laughs> the oldies would get these in Gladys Knight. It's a beautiful song. Uh, it's talked about he's leaving on a midnight train to Georgia and mm. rather be with him in his world than in mine without him. And it's like, hey, so she's giving up everything to be with her. Like, no, no. So I had to stop listening to that song. Then I started going down the rabbit hole and thinking, I don't know what other. Mm-hmm. Things that were just, I mean, because that was supposed to be one of those love songs. Yep. Yeah. And one of those, this is how, and it's so crazy how we are just indoctrinated subconsciously. And movies, the whole love, you know, and so many movies, there's jealousy, there's isolation, there's, you know, they're just toxic things that we see as part of a love story, mm-hmm. but they don't have to be part of a love story. Yep. Yep. So, well, I love that example because that's so true of like the leaving everything for somebody. I see that happen all the time with young people, especially again, females where they get in this relationship and the boy, he's doing his thing. He's going to college. He's doing whatever. And she's just falling around like a puppy dog. And she left all her dreams behind me. Again, I was that girl. I married my first husband. He was in the military. He got relocated. My plans to go in the Air Force and college and all these things were like, whoop, well, I got to go with him because we got, we're getting married and he's getting stationed up there and we have to do that. So I dropped everything and I didn't do anything. I went up there and played little housewife while he got deployed and all this other stuff. And it was, I put all my dreams on hold and it derailed all my dreams. Like nothing I wanted to do out of high school I ever did. Now, granted, I'm in a, I'm fine now, but it's like looking back, you're like, man. 
I yep. it, and it's okay if you have a compromise, you're compromised for each other. If you are truly in love and you're older and you're married, and there's always compromise in relationships, but it's different to be like, I'm going to give up everything for you because otherwise you're going to keep going without me. That's not healthy. Yeah, exactly. And that's this conversation that also needs to be had. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. I started a book for, uh, eighth graders a while back i should dig it out you know this one i would just this little stick and move you know <laughs> and we'd have we'd have lunch together some of the things that would come up with well we'll talk about that later but you're what you're saying now it happens more like okay so he's on the football team so now i have to there's practice so i have to schedule my life around that and it's not so innocently oh he's yep. now it's basketball season so i know i have to start you know he's doing this and this and this and then there's a game on saturday so now i need to do this and this and, and it does start out so innocently yep but yep because it's, it's like well i'm just i want to i got we got to see each other so we got to make the time and it's like yes sometimes you have to make the time but if you you don't do it all the time and and sometimes it's okay to be like you know what? we didn't see each other tonight because you had this and i had this going on and they conflict it Find the days that you don't have that. And if there are absolutely no days, then yes, there's some compromise that can happen. But don't be the only one compromising either. And I think that's what happens too. It's like, hey, well, I compromise, but you're not. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Let me read some more of these before I forget because they're so important. Um, I could uh, also give you the list that that I've created for your your parents. So possessiveness, that all feels Mm -hmm. so... You know, with isolation, like, oh, I want to be with you. It's like when I was a grown woman and married, that isolation and possessiveness just, it just seemed so smooth and a part of our, of our, um, just being married. So I stopped going to uh, happy hours, was the first thing I noticed when you know, I started off as a new teacher and, 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 uh, in ha- going to Friday happy hours, those are, I don't even know if those things exist. But next thing you know, he's saying, oh, I'd rather be at home. I don't really know them. And complaining about my friends, which is another red mm-hmm. flag. And next thing you know, it's just, but it seems so, you know, like, oh, you want, can we just stay home? That's how he's saying, can we just stay home? Just, I want you just to myself and we can watch a uh, Friday night movie. I can go rent a movie. And, and it, it happened so innocently. And then manipulation, that's that's pretty um common. Yeah. Just manipulating like what you the example that you gave is like you're the one that keeps giving up all of your time to accommodate. And if the if your the other person is whining or saying, Well, you don't love me, or I thought you cared about me, that's manipulation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as a grown woman, I didn't see it coming. You know, and so then there's sabotage. Oh my gosh, yes. No. It's the sabotage. Your If your person is sabotaging you or belittling, that's the whole insulting, but then laughing. It's like, oh my gosh, you can't take a joke. I was just kidding. And, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, oh my God. And guilting and deflecting as far as not accepting blame or when you ask questions, like the boundary. Uh, once you teach your person, your young person, how to set a boundary, if the person who the boundary is being set for deflects, it's like, oh, my bad. That's a deflection. They still crossed your boundary. It should still have a, a conflict. Yep. I mean, a consequence, um, a consequence. And because if they don't have a consequence, then it's like, it's again, oh, man, I keep forgetting about that. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's, I'm not really trying to hear you. It's just that, oh, well, I let you do it. You know, that's all deflecting. Yep. But yep. so innocent or, or open for a discussion. It mm-hmm. could be open for a discussion once or twice at the most. But yep. after that, and it's yeah, it's tricky. So it is. We, it is. It's like, ooh, it's sneaky. You don't see it. And especially when you're in it, like people around you, like the parents, you're going to see it, parents, but your kid's not going to see it. But that's where I think that them seeing those boundaries and they know up front because otherwise they don't know what to look for. Right. And you think it's just normal, mm-hmm. normal. And and when the like the deflection happens, or you're insulted, or you're belittled, or you're put down in front of the friends and all of his football buddies, you know, I'm just stereotypical. It could all be chess club buddies, you know. <laughs> no, but you know they're laughing, and you know, mm-hmm. and and he comes over, he kisses you on your forehead. I'm just joking. Mm-hmm. That all feels good or okay, at yeah. least okay. 
I mean, like, oh, he came over and kissed me in front of his friends, so it's fine. <laughs> just teasing me, especially if they're sick. Oh, I'm just teasing. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, t- paying attention to your gut and how you feel, that's that's a lot of it. So, yeah. and then the flat out betrayals, they really s- come right here. But once we, even when we see them, if we feel like we can't stand on our own or we've been so belittled and so invalidated, then we don't want to lose that other person. Mm-hmm. And it happens so fast. Yep. And we give in to anything and everything they want because we don't want to lose them. We're yep. afraid to have that heartbreak or, oh my gosh, the person cares about me so much. Well, if they really did, they're yeah. not going to leave you when you put a boundary up or when you say no or when you don't do things that they want you to do. Right. But again, when you don't have that firm foundation and you're not confident in yourself and you're not secure, you're going to just take that stuff or give in to them because you're afraid to lose them. And guess what? they still going to walk away either way. Like, and that's what I learned is like, okay, I gave in to you and gave you all that you wanted, never said no to you. And you still left me. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so it's like you said before, I don't remember in our conversation where you said, uh, it's never too late because even as an adult, after being with a narcissist for 30 years, so I was way old. (laughs) So I had to just... And build a foundation that I never actually had. Mm-hmm. So yep. I had to dismantle the religious indoctrination I had, the societal norms that I adopted, and just things that I might not learn from my narcissistic father about how to behave. So even if your person or the parents that are listening is in high school and it's already, you know, you didn't get to start in third grade, you know, wipe the slate clean and say, yep to find out how you are and every even uh, adults who jump in from one relationship ending to another they're just going to repeat the same patterns until they get their foundation and the foundation has to be which is not not taught anywhere uh in schools as it should be it has to be self-awareness and self-love yep 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 self-awareness and self-love yep And I think it goes on the opposite side, too, of like, okay, as a parent, teaching your kid to have boundaries, all this against those that are not having healthy relationships. But I think it's also teaching your kid how to be the healthy person in a relationship and to not be that person because you're still, there's still parents of those kids, too, that are, are the ones that are, you know, isolating or insulting or any of those things. And it's important we as parents teach our kids, no, 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 you're not, that's not okay to act that way to another human being. That's not okay to do this stuff. This is, this is not healthy. And sometimes they're emitting what they see more times than not. I mean, some teenagers are just teenagers. Sometimes they're picking on each other because they just try to make their friends laugh. They're trying to fit in. So they're belittling, you know, the people they care about. We know that happens too. They're not, not everybody's a narcissist. Not everybody's a bad person. right it is it's like oh it's funny it's like yeah no we as parents have to step in and say no that's not okay and that's not funny and that's not okay for you to do that's not how you treat your friends that's not how you treat your the people you care about exactly we have to apologize and yes accountable yes and it all comes from in my opinion modeling and i think this is where we as parents and adults struggle sometimes because we let those things go or we do those things or we let somebody do those things to us, but we don't want that to happen to our kids. It's like, yeah, but they're going to just do what we're doing. They're they're copying us. We're modeling it. So we can't do that. We have to change our behaviors to show them what their value is and to show them yeah. what not to do in relationships. Yeah. And if we haven't, we have to come clean. It's like, I'm putting up with this and I wish I hadn't been for yep. so long. Yep. Yeah. And give you a reason for continuing. Yeah. That even that honesty and vulnerability would go a long way. Yes. And I think like, again, <laughs> yeah. And well, that's what I think what parents we need to start to do is put our pride aside as adults and to be like, oh, but we're the adult. We can do what we want or we have we have it all under control and tell our kid, no, we don't. And it's okay to admit your mistakes. It's okay to open up to your kids. If we want our kids to be open to us, we need to be able to be open with them and talk to them about these things and and say, hey, you know what? Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's why me and your dad or mom fought the other day. And here's why, you know, why 
I don't want to see you go through this or here's what I went through and I don't want you to walk down that shoes because here's what I learned and I wish I would have learned it sooner. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So oh, this this is awesome. And I know there's so many more things we could talk about. So I'll have to have you back on another episode because I want to talk about the peer pressure piece and societal expectations and so many other things. But we could be here all day long for sure because this is a heavy topic that it is important. And you're right. It's not being taught. People are, I mean, most adults don't know how to handle this. I mean, I still struggle with setting boundaries and sticking to them. And again, parents modeling, you have boundaries for your kids, but do you stick to them? If you just, oh, your curfew is 10, but they're getting home late all the time. And you're not doing anything. And there's no consequence to that. They're like, well, mom and dad set a boundary and they don't follow it. So why am I going to do that? Exactly. Exactly. So did you want to actually script out a boundary? Or Yes, get, let's do it. Yes, absolutely. Let's do that before we wrap up. Yes, definitely a situation where it's tricky. That's why so many people don't set boundaries. But you have to think of boundaries as in the terms of uh, protecting you, yourself, instead of punishing them. And the first way you do that is start with an I statement. Mm. Instead of you did it, did it, did it, say it's, I feel like you don't care about me. I feel embarrassed when you make fun of how I'm dressed in front of your friends. I'm asking you to stop. And if you don't stop, then we can no longer hang out or we're just going to have to break up because I won't be treated that way. Yes. Yes. And it's standing in your power in that sense. And I think if we can equip kids with that and teens with that as parents, as society, equip them with their power to stand in their values, in their beliefs, in their boundaries, and not in a mean way. Just I mean, you didn't say it mean or aggressive. You were just like, here's the facts. Here it is. <laughs> like, I need you to stop throwing me under the bus because I don't feel like I'm my best or that I'm respecting myself when you do that, when I to keep allowing you to do that. So mm-hmm. we have one more chance one more chance and then yep you're letting me know that our relationship doesn't are you that you don't value our relationship so i'll walk away yep i'll need and then you have yes and then you have to follow through (laughs) that and do the really really hard thing yes of saying okay well you did it again and as much as i love you and don't want to break up with you i have to i have to and Mm -hmm. so when i was going through this and um so many times when you know, since being divorced from a narcissist and I saw the red flag, like, ah, but, you know, I wanted to see the red flags. And, you know, who wants to live with a narcissist for another 30 years? You can only do that so many times. But what I kept telling myself is a quote by Maya Angelou that says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Mm. The first time. Yes. Ah, that's first time. Yeah, you showed me who you really are 10 times, and I just didn't believe you. I'm like, I accepted that day, or he's stressed, or he felt that physics test, you know. Now believe them. And so when they, when you start to walk away, they're like, no, please, please, please believe them. And it will happen over and over again. But no, I'm going to do better, Monica. I'm going to be better. I'm going to work on it. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I, will not, I won't do that to you anymore. Right. The, the please, the tears, the roses, the candy, the huh? your best friend also beg. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, no. And, yep. You know, that saying that uh, my mother used to say, um, a tiger never changes his stripes. And the fact, oh, you know, this is the part where I was saying that if you don't come clean about your mess, that your kids are like, well, who are you to tell me that? You know, because mm-hmm. look at my parents too. But of yep. course, my mother did not know about n- covert narcissism, but that was the attitude I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is hard. And, it, and it's okay to explain to your kid if you are in a toxic relationship, like a marriage, especially, it's not as easy to get out of a marriage as it is a dating relationship in, in high school. Like, right, it is different. Yeah. Yes. And it's something you have to work towards. And sometimes you're like, hey, I'm I'm a single, I'm a stay-at-home parent right now. I don't have an income. So I can't leave my spouse because I don't have something to fall back on yet. But I mm-hmm. think it's still important to open up to your kids about that and say, okay, you know, the way your dad, mom, whoever treats me is not okay. 
And here's the boundaries I put in place. Here's why I'm dealing with it. I do want to get out of this, but I am not in a place to do it. And just, again, being honest and open with them. So they see, oh, okay, so mom or dad realizes that they're not in something healthy, but they're not willing to, they can't get out of it yet, but they're working towards it. It's Again, it's different and explaining to that to your, your kiddos so that they're not like, well, you're dealing with it, so why can't I deal? Like, what? who are you to tell me? It's like, well, it's a little different. You're, you know, a junior in high school, you're not married, and you got no kids, and a house, and all the things. Like, it, there is a difference there. It doesn't mean that mom, dad, whoever should put up with it, but maybe they're kind of stuck at the moment. Yeah, but it just makes you heard, you know? You have more credibility. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it's not getting them all in the mix with your stuff but just owning that because they aren't thinking it and saying it yes so. they see it and I, I i've seen some posts that just reminds me i've seen multiple posts in this group on on facebook with parents where they're like oh they have teenagers that are old enough to understand they're not like little eight eight-year-olds or something like that like they're teenagers they're seeing it but they were so like oh i don't want my kids to know our marriage isn't healthy or that i want out or what and i'm like well, they already know, first of all. Second of all, by you not talking to them about it is actually putting a wall between you and them. And they're going to start to go against you and go the other person's side because you're not telling them what's going on. It doesn't mean you have to pour all the drama, spill all the tea, whatever you want to say. But it's just, again, opening up and saying, hey, this is, this is, yes, I acknowledge that this is not healthy. And this is not how you should be treated. This is not how I should be treated. Here's why I'm dealing with it right now but you don't need to kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're saying that, I thought what popped into my head was like, oh, they know even in third grade. Oh my God. They do. That journal writing in third grade. I was like, okay, so when conference comes, we're going to fold this page over or I'm going to make a copy of this story, you know, because I don't know if your mom wants to know. No, that kind of because you yep. find out a lot of stuff through third grade journal writing, at least in yep. my class, because it was a daily thing. But the kids do put things yes. together. Yep. They are able to connect some dots, whether you think they are or not. They yep. are sometimes yep. they're wrong, but they do have the dots. They just they have all the dots. They just need to know how to figure them. So, yeah, and if you don't help them, they're gonna put it together their own way, and it's not going to be right. <laughs> and there's just one other thing that I wanted to add, you know, and help empower parents like if you have a kid your young adult is feeling and you're witnessing them coming in in a certain way that even if it's just energetically because you can tell when your kid comes in down without saying a word mm -hmm. so it's an energetic thing do not do not i, I beg and invite your your parents to not feel like it's not okay to address the other party the other kid and say hey Jimbo or Tommy, you know, come in here. I just, I just have to tell you that then last time I saw Katie come in the last three times, she wasn't feeling okay. Or she looked down and we talk and this is not okay with me. Mm -hmm. And that just, however you word it, but you have the idea though that kid's response will tell you a whole lot mm -hmm. of information about the direction that that relationship is going because you know they are you know we're talking about high schoolers they are still learning and that whole thing about the frontal lobe not developing but if they are not open mm -hmm. to learning and shifting their behavior or even recognizing that their behavior might be mm -hmm. a little you know because you're going to add more it's like this is what i want for both of you mm -hmm. doesn't seem like you're headed in that direction you know, invite that kid to talk because maybe their parent isn't as open mm -hmm. to talk relationship. Yep. But yeah, so this, you know, I know it feels like you're crossing a boundary, but it's also your kid. Yes. Yes. Um, and it's not like you're attacking that kid. You're just saying, you right. know, and it's also digging of what's their side of the story. I mean, if your kids, you know, exaggerates or whatever, you know, they do that. It's like, okay, well, let's get both, sit them both down together and say, we're going to talk about this. Like, Let's have a little intermediate counseling session to kind of make sure that you guys are both being healthy together, whether it's yeah. friendships, relationships, et cetera. And you can even joke about it. And as long as I was a joke, because we just 
have not learned those. Like, well, since I screwed up or most of the adults in your world, I'm sure because we didn't get this together. You know, just bring it down to their level to let them know that you're open. And I do wish we started teaching more of this in, in schools. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and yes, it's so important. And I mean, even in the homeschool world, it's still because, and I think even homeschooling, it's a different animal because they aren't going to school. So they're not going to be exposed to too much of this. So then a lot of times they are, okay, they left home and it's the first real relationship they had. And then they're head over heels. And then they go through all the things we were talking about because they haven't had that opportunity to really develop that, or they've been a little bit more not cut off because they can be in co-ops and other things, but they just haven't been as around kids as what experience. Yes. Yeah. So it is different. And I think still the same things all apply and it's having those relationships, but I think it's also exposing your kids to some of those things. I, and we sometimes want to shelter and we yeah. can't do that to, you know, it's okay to do it to some extent, but we can't cut them off from all of it or they aren't going to have the abilities to try their boundaries and actually, okay, but my, I want to test my boundaries out with this relationship. Like I want to actually go put this into practice. Like we have right. to let them do those things and they're going to fail and they're going to fall and they're going to get hurt. But by putting this foundation in place with them, it's not going to destroy them either. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. This is great. This was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Um, everybody, for sure, go follow Monica online. We'll have her information in the show notes, but definitely keep you know an eye on her content because she does put some great stuff out there. If you need some coaching, I'm sure she is happy to help you. She's got lots of great resources to help in this space. Um, we'll definitely bring her back for another episode for sure to talk more about all these things and you know even the aspect of consent and how to establish that with our kids and to really you know and on the perspective of how to protect our young men because. It's a scary word out there when somebody does say so and so your 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 son did this and they didn't, but it's yes, really hard to that's prove the it. Accusation. Oh, there's so much. Yes, there's just oh so much we could dig into for sure. Um, so biggest biggest takeaways I would hundred percent say are building that foundation, right? Having that open conversation with your kiddos, being able to own up to your own flaws or mistakes or whatnot and being able to kind of bring it to them saying, hey, I'm not perfect either. Here's what I did and I wish I would have had this and being able to really just help them see who they are and, the, you know, their own value, their own skills, what they bring to the table, helping them really love themselves. And no matter what relationship they go through, they're going to come out so much better than those who don't have that piece for sure. Right. Right. That's so, one it clear on who they are and that they're worthy of healthy relationships, mm -hmm. they will start sticking up for themselves. Yep. Yep. Practicing their, their boundaries on you, you know, say, okay, I'm going to try this out, you know, yep. <laughs> just have an open conversation. Like, this is what I'm going to say. I love when my eighth graders will say, so I'm going to say this, you know, you're like, perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I, and I honestly think too, that last thing would be obviously the modeling, but even taking it a step further, and for those who have daughters, dad-daughter time, mom-son time, I think is so crucial because it's not just the same gender. It's not the same relationship. And it's showing them how that works. So, I mean, my son, for example, I want to do, I we do little mini date nights where we go out to dinner together and we spend that time together and modeling what a healthy relationship looks like, even though as a mom and son or father-daughter you're teaching them what to look for and what to have. And I think it comes differently. Like if my dad would have sat down in a calm way and had these conversations with me about boys, mm -hmm. it would have been a game changer. Like my mom, I loved her, but it was still like, okay, your mom. And she, she would relate to me and did all these things, but it was still like, okay, mom. And we had a really good relationship. But if my dad would have come and said the things, it would have hit differently. And I think yeah. it was the opposite way too. Of Like it's just dads need to be involved in this stuff as well. And they can't go off the rails and it's hard because i mean that's my little girl or you know that's my son you got to be a man and there's a lot we could dig into and all that but i think that modeling from both parties not just one is huge and yeah man could you imagine a dad pulling a boyfriend aside and said hey 
Yes, and not like with a shotgun going off like a crazy. <laughs> That's what you see in the movie. The reason they are funny, and I totally get it. But yeah, it doesn't have to be that. Well, I just that's not what I want for my little girl. So you understand, and you know, just have that. Yep, like she deserves better than this, and that's yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, again, thank you so much, Monica, for being here. Everybody, definitely go follow her on social media. All the good things, and we are here to keep it real and to keep it keep it going. Thank you for tuning in to another unfiltered episode of Adulting Unplugged. If you enjoyed today's discussion and found it helpful, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. If you want even more resources, tips, and tricks, then go to our website at www.adulting-university.com, also in the show notes, and jump on our email list to keep up with all the latest and greatest. Until next time, remember that adulting is an ongoing journey and we're here to help you every step of the way. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes and in the meantime, keep adulting unplugged.